The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. The triad and the triangle, like most of our urban areas uh, in North Carolina, are seeing an influx of uh, the nations coming into our neighborhoods. So we want to talk today about how to build strategies about that. This is a map right here in the middle of Pocket 22. Lost Pocket, some of you have heard of Pockets of Lostness, I hope. This is Lost Pocket 22 in Greensboro. Once upon a time, it was most famous for right here, Star Mount Forest Country Club. Uh, I live not too far away from here, not near the country club though, but uh, <laughs> where I live, I can walk there to the country club. And uh, there, there are three million dollar homes for sale right around the country club right now but just on the other side of the tree line there is one of the lowest income apartment communities in greensboro where uh several ethnicities and uh, uh, a lot of muslims and buddhists live in there and then right along this market street here i just drove along market street the other day i told john let's let's find a good example of what we're talking about Market Street in Greensboro, coming through Pocket 22, uh, you have three synagogues in this lost pocket, two mosques, here's one of them, brand new one, over 450 men gather at that mosque every Friday. Uh, You have uh, uh, Middle Eastern stores, African market, Nepali market, uh, Hindu market. Super G is an international grocery store. It's the size of a Harris Teeter or Kroger. Uh, They sell stuff from all over the world. It's Korean owned. Uh, And then one of my favorites is Acapulco, which if the picture were a little clearer, a little bigger, you could see. This is a Hispanic tienda, carniceria, panaderia. It's a shop, uh, a bakery, and a, a butcher. But here, the sign is in Arabic, and it says halal meat. So uh, it's a Hispanic market with a halal butcher shop. That's how diverse this community is. I was in there one day, and I asked the the girl at the cash register, I said, uh, now, is the owner of the shop Hispanic or Muslim? She said, he is a businessman. I said, ah, okay, he knows this community. But the reality is that the nations are coming into our neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, how should we feel about that? Well, when we understand God's word, Acts 17, 26 and 27 says, from one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined. So God has sovereignly determined their appointed times. That means when they're going to be alive and the boundaries where they live. God chooses when and where people live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So when you look around your neighborhood and you see this diversity, you have to understand God's providence in that. He has brought the nations to us so that they will seek him and find him as we show Christ to them. So how can we discover and engage the diverse people that God is bringing into our community. That's what we want to talk about today. And I'm going to hand off the microphone to John to talk about prayer. Well, of course, that's where we want to start. Um, one of the things we talk about a lot uh, is, uh, is training others. We talk a lot about multiplication. We talk about disciple-making, uh, disciple-makers, right? And so uh, that's what we want to start today with. Uh, asking you to think about the people in your circle of influence 
uh, in your church. Um, maybe you're the pastor, or maybe you're uh, one of the the key lay people in your church. And and who around you can you lead to uh, to pray uh, for these people that God has brought to us? And so, um, how can we pray? Uh, and what I want to do here is just for us to look at just a, a, a few ways that we can pray, and then I'd like to, to spend a, a few minutes just praying for the people that God has brought to our neighborhoods. Uh, we're asking personally for ourselves, and then to challenge those around us, to ask Jesus to help us see the church, to see, to, to, to see uh, for, for our church to see the people that he has brought through his eyes. You know, he's the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's calling out to them. He has such a heart for them, such love for them, and uh, how he has served them. Um, we're asking the Holy Spirit to convict us of, of, our, of our own personal prejudices. Um, you know, we might think we're, we're pretty open to others and we're, you know, we're, we're pretty, pretty good about welcoming people, but we have our own prejudices. We, we have fear sometimes. Um, anything else that might hinder us. So let's confess and repent those, uh, repent of those. And let's, let's pray also, uh, just according to his word, um, to just believe in his providence. That, that's what that passage in Acts is all about. Uh, God has allowed these people to come. He has brought them here, uh, so that by some way they may know him that they may have an opportunity to hear him. And that's us. You know, we, we are that way, that we can take people to his word, help them to hear the truth and be set free. We want to know his heart for all nations and his commission for his church. I'd actually like for us to look at these passages. Um, let me just ask, uh, starting right over here, let's see. If, you've got a, if you have a Bible or if you have your phone, uh, probably most of us just brought our phone. <laughs> you can pull it out if you if if someone would take Genesis one twenty seven to read that. Uh, Jared, you got that one. Sure. Okay. Uh, someone else uh, for Genesis twelve three. Uh, okay. Thank you. Uh, someone else that would read Revelation five nine. We did that one for our during our worship time. Revelation five nine. Okay, brother Charlie, and uh, Revelation seven nine. Okay. And then, Marty, would you read the Great Commission for us, okay, from Matthew 28. Uh, Let's read those um, and just listen to his heart for all peoples. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. Amen. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Hmm. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Mm. 
And Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So in all this, as we, as we just join His heart, uh, and as we listen to, to His command, and we come under His authority, and we go, through, we go forth knowing that He is with us to the end of the age, uh, with His presence, let's ask Him to give our church the, the courage, the compassion necessary to encounter and to enter the lives of people, to, to be intentional in entering the lives of people that He has brought to our communities. Uh, and, and that he would work in their hearts uh, to, give, to give us a favorable reception when we go to these people. Okay? Marty, if you would, uh, to just voice a prayer for us in, in this. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to pray and talk to you, a holy and perfect God. Father, you are worthy of worship and praise. And Father, you care far more for every tribe, every people, every nation. You know every single thing about every person. So, Father, open our eyes and open our hearts to have your eyes and your heart for people. Father, help us not to see them as scenery or machinery. Help us to see them as a soul with an eternal destiny. And help us, Lord, to be able to love them and care for them and pray for them from the inside out, not just the outside in. So, Father, help us to be sensitive to other cultures. Help us to be sensitive to other languages. Help us to be sensitive to other perspectives and other cultural um, ways that they go about doing life we don't always understand. Help us to seek to understand and seek to love and to seek to share the gospel with them in a loving and compassionate way. And Lord, I do pray that you would give us favor with people. And Father, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that what people are drawn to and what they like about and what they see in us is not us, but it is the Spirit of Jesus in us. And so, Father, we pray that we would be that way and that you would use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. So I've had uh, people come to me and say, you know, our church is in a pocket of lostness and our community is really diverse now. And what can we do about that? And I start talking to them about prayer. And they say, yeah, 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 yeah. But what can we do? What can we do? <laughs> I don't remember who it was that said, you know, you can do more after you pray, but you can't do more until you pray. And so we always begin with prayer. And if you ask us that question, you know, help us reach our pocket of lostness, we're going to start talking to you about prayer strategies first. But, uh, you know, once you get committed to prayer for that lost pocket or for that diversity in your community, then you can begin to do some research. And, uh, uh, we would suggest a DNA, you know, that's kind of a popular thing now is a DNA test. You know, you stick a Q-tip in your mouth and send it off to some lab and they tell you that you're, you know, part uh, this or part that. But we're talking about your church's DNA. And by DNA, we mean discovering your natural affinities. Who are the people that your church already has access to? So think about, are there different ethnicities or nationalities in your congregation? 
And if they're not in your congregation, maybe they're in your extended church family. In other words, uh, maybe one of your church members has a, a, a relative or, uh, you know, by marriage, there's someone of a different ethnicity or nationality in your extended church family. Uh, so uh, look, look closest in to you. And then do your church members or children have, uh, church members or, or their children have neighbors or friends of different ethnicities or nationalities? Um, maybe from work, uh, from the community, from school. Uh, you just heard uh, 57 languages in the school that Mark was talking about uh, today. Uh, you know, so we know there's different ethnicities at the schools. In sports, you know, maybe if uh, kids in your church play soccer at a community soccer league, they're going to be surrounded by different nationalities or other activities that uh, your church members or kids might be involved in. Uh, are there shops or restaurants like the ones I showed you the pictures of that are in your community that are owned by people of other ethnicities or nationalities? Maybe your church is already uh, adopting an unreached people or least reached place in the world and saying that's our mission focus. Uh, I had a guy tell me one time, you know, I was talking to him about reaching out in Pocket of Lostness in Greensboro. He said, well, listen, you know, I, I, it's not that I don't think that's important, but our concentration right now is on Peru. We've adopted Peru, and that's our focus. And I said, okay, give me a second, you know, and I punch up some numbers on my computer. I said, did you know that there's a couple dozen Peruvians that live within five miles of your church? You know, he didn't know that. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to go to Peru. I mean, please keep going to Peru, but there are Peruvians in your backyard, you know. So maybe your church already has a heart and a compassion for that. A church I pastored, uh, we had adopted Nepal, and uh, we were focused on reaching unreached people in Nepal. And all of a sudden, as we're praying for Nepal, we're driving around Greensboro seeing Nepalese. And so then how can we start reaching them here too, you know? Uh, so maybe you already have some connections uh, that... that God can use you and your church uh, to build those relationships. Uh, these are the people who could be in your neighborhood. Now, as you continue doing research, uh, there are tools available to you. Uh, there's demographic reports that we can provide to you, and, and your associational missionary can get that for you, or uh, the strategy coordinators can get it for you. Uh, and on this report, let me just... Uh, Pull some of this information down here. It'll tell you the ethnic diversity, the nationalities that are present, the languages that are spoken in homes, the uh, religious affiliations. You know, you can see there's 4% of your radius or Muslim or whatever. Uh, the socioeconomic strata. You can see the rich and the poor. Uh, that pocket 22 that I was just showing you, you know, there's million dollar homes and there's, uh, um, you know, barely subsistence living uh, in, in poverty there. Uh, the different housing categories, how many people live in apartments, uh, trailer parks. Uh, we look at those numbers because in multifamily housing communities, the national average is 95% unchurched. So if you have an apartment complex or a trailer park in your community, there's a good chance that there's a lot of lost people there. You, uh, let me ask you a question on that. Did you say in, in uh, what type of housing? Did you multifamily say? housing. In multifamily housing, which is apartment, 95%. In America, in 95%. Unchurched. Uh, just real quickly, uh, how many are familiar with Mission Insight? Mission Insight. Okay. And a lot of this is uh, what yeah. you're talking about. Right. So we can run a report uh, for uh, you know an area around your church that gives you this kind of breakdown. And, and 
I don't like to just, you know, run that report and email it to you and say, here you go. I like to sit down with you and walk through it with you and, and say, you know, not, not just here's what, the, here's what it says, but here's what it means. Like, you know, so here's what we can do about that. Because, you know, having the data is good. I mean, I suppose you could go out there and, and just find that kind of information on the Internet, uh, you know, or ask around. We could run it off and send it to you. Um, analyzing it is better so that you interpret it and know actually what that means for you and your church. But the best thing is when you do something with it and you utilize that data for mission strategy. Not just to know, oh, so there are Muslims in our neighborhood, but to say, what are we going to do about reaching the Muslims in our neighborhood? How are we going to gain entry into their lives? That's the best thing. Uh, Other research you can do is just talk to people. Uh, Public officials, first responders, school leaders, shopkeepers, restaurant workers, they know where people live. You know, one of the things that I'll often ask a server in an ethnic restaurant is, uh, do you live nearby here? And, you know, however they answer, that doesn't really matter how they answer it because I'm going to have a follow-up question. Are there a, are, are there a lot of people, uh, you know, from your country who live in that area? Uh, because, you know, people tend to kind of cluster together, uh, create little uh, communities that, uh, you know, are comfortable you know, for their culture. But have conversations with these people about the diversity that they're seeing in the community and uh, and, and the trends that they're seeing. You know, sometimes we'll see entire people groups move as a group together. Uh, We had an area in Greensboro where there was a high concentration of Congolese refugees. They'd been settled there by a refugee agency and uh, something happened. They all picked up and they all moved together. Uh, And so, you know, maybe you're seeing those kind of comings and goings. What are the needs that, uh, you know, as you talk to first responders, talk to a law enforcement official and say, you know, what needs are you seeing in the lives of the immigrants and refugees and and other uh, ethnic groups in our community? You know, they they see that stuff front line and they can help us uh, know what needs are out there. A lot of times we're trying to meet needs that people don't have, you know, so let's find out what the real needs are and we can help meet them. And then... um, you know, one of the things that I that, that I did uh, in one of the churches I pastored was I had a young man who was really tech savvy and he, he was on fire for the Lord and he wanted something to do and I didn't really have anything for him to do. So I just turned him loose with his computer. <laughs> I said, hey, uh, do some research for me. So, you know, you can just go on Google or Bing or whatever and just search. So, so uh, I did a search recently. This is a screenshot of my computer screen. I was searching for mosques in Greensboro, and I found these three mosques, and I went and drove around them praying, and I've taken others over to the mosque to pray. Uh, So you can just simple search like that. Um, You can use a website called peoplegroups.info. This is a wonderful website. It is is a big learning curve on it, though, to really get the most out of it. So we'd be glad to help you know how to dive deeper into it, but, but on Peoplegroups.info. Did you have a question? Go back to one slide. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and we can send you the PowerPoint. Yeah, we, that's part of the reason I was getting all your email addresses. We can just share this with you. Yeah, we'll share it with you. Yeah. That way you can turn around and use it. Like we're that's right. Mobilize others. Yeah, feel free. You have our permission to. So you will give it to us. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Yeah. That means you still have to pay attention, Marty. Uh, but, <laughs> but people. Peoplegroups.info, 
can show you the different uh, ethno-linguistic groups in census tracts. So this is that same pocket 22 uh, on peoplegroups.info. And so I can see here 587 Sudanese people, uh, 83 Mexicans. There's some Salvadorans. If I were to hover over that, it would give me the number. West Africans, Cambodians, Chinese, Colombians, Ethiopians, Indians, Vietnamese, Ghanans, uh, Sierra Leoneans, Russians, English, Nigerians. Uh, so all that right there in that one census block. And then I can also look on there to see where the different markets and restaurants and shops and places of worship are for particular ethnic groups. Uh, so, uh, and, and by the way, this is crowdsourced info. So if you go to that uh, Indian market and it's closed down, you can submit that on there and say, this market's not here anymore. Or maybe a new one opens up, you can submit that too. Right. Yeah. Um, just this morning, uh, my neighbor is Nigerian. And he's married to a Ghanaian. And I asked him last week, because uh, I knew a little bit about where he was from, and he told me uh, his area that he comes from and that, that's something that I don't know if if you guys are mentioning that to everyone. Outside of America almost everyone uh, if you want to identify by clan, maybe that's understandable to us but people groups like Nigerians, like you've got yeah. all of those, yeah. there may be a hundred different groups right. and so generally in a neighborhood like Greensboro I would expect them to attract one another and so uh, you, you've got a sub language you've got yeah. subcultures that's right and you also might need to find out not all Nigerians like one another that's right and you mentioned the Sudanese they've been fighting a civil war for almost 50 60 years they and even within the so-called Christian South those tribes do they hate each other yeah they would kill each other yeah if they had a chance. Yeah. And so to welcome them into your church and expect them to sit down and enjoy a meal together, uh, they, they we, have uh, And so yeah, I we, don't know I, how far it goes. Yeah. It's also an opportunity for reconciliation too. Yeah. So I was going to say, we, we had this actual experience in my church that I pastored in Greensboro where we had about a dozen Nigerians from five different people groups. Uh, and... Two of those people groups did not like each other. And that was something we had to disciple them out of, you know, to say just like, you know, we want whites and blacks to understand that we're all one in Christ. You have to understand that houses in Europe are too, you know. And, uh, and so as you get to know, but we haven't found a really accurate breakdown of specific people groups. What we find is it's helpful just to talk to people and say, you know, oh, you're from your, you're from Nigeria. Oh, uh, what people group are you? You know, or, or, um, you know, what is your heart language? And uh, you know, uh, do you know so and so? Now, is is he from the same area? From you know, same language? Uh, you know, they'll know that about each other. So it gives you an opportunity to learn from them. Just quick question. Sure. How accurate is most of this information like with people groups or mission insight? That's one thing I've always wondered about. Like where where do they get this information from? A lot of it, like I said, peoplegroups.info uh, is, is census and it's also crowdsourced. Uh, mission insight stuff comes from census and a number of other uh, data tools. So so like credit companies. Yeah. Experian. Experian. 
so, so it's as accurate as we can get. And what I like to tell people is take it as a dare, you know, <laughs> go out and prove it wrong. Because if, if you, it, you know, what you'll find usually is that it's right. But if you prove it wrong, that's helpful to know too, right? It's like, you know, these, that means there's new people here that aren't even on record yet, you know? So, uh, yeah, so it's, it gives you a starting point, okay. but it never, it's never a substitute for boots on the ground. Um, had a guy call me recently who uh, plants churches in Chinese restaurants, and he said, uh, how many Chinese restaurants are in Winston-Salem? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. That's not a figure I keep up with, you know? So he's like, well, can you find out? I just went to Yelp, and I typed in Chinese restaurants in Winston-Salem, and I did some of, the, some of the filters here to make sure I wasn't getting like Panda Express, you know, and I got 28, and I sent him the list. Here you go. Go for it, you know. So Yelp can help you with that. Uh, we, we could spend a lot of time here, but we won't because we don't have it, but blesseveryhome.com is a tool that we're encouraging churches to use. Uh, get your members to sign up. Sounds like some of you may be familiar with it already. Chris, uh, what's his last name? Chris from Florida's ministry? I, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but basically you can sign up for this and they'll send you an email every day with names of your neighbors to pray for. You'll have a map that as you pray for them, you can mark them. This is, a, this is just a little snapshot of my community. So this is my house. Um, so I have uh, prayed for this uh, person. Uh, and so that's marked red for prayed for them. I have shown care for this family. So I've prayed for them and shown care. So now they're marked in yellow. I've shared the gospel and begun discipling this person. So now it's green and I need to go back in and it'll be blue when I mark it as discipling. So, uh, you know, it's a way to keep track of how you're reaching out to your own neighbors. Uh, and it will give you their names and all that. Now, don't be creepy, you know, and go knock on the door and say, you know, hey, you must be Bill, you know, <laughs> because I signed up for this thing that told me all about you, you know, like, <laughs> that's one of those, uh, like, we were using the greeting, I see you, that's like one of the creepy ways, you know, like, I see you, um, but, uh, you know, introduce yourself, but before you do, you can already begin praying for them by name. So those are just some basic research tools that we encourage churches to use and uh, your members can sign up. You can create a network on Bless Every Home for your church so you can see where your church members are praying and serving and sharing in their communities. So uh, that's a great tool. Are there any filters that say an individual um, needs to go through? Are they going to limit you want to know? Well, why do you want to know this information? Or is it pretty open? It's pretty open. It's public records. You know, so like if you're in an area where there's a lot of rental property, it's not going to be that accurate. You're going to be seeing the owner of the home's name, probably not the current so renter. So the average church member has access to all of this information. Anybody in the world can not go get this. Not necessarily a church. That's right. Yeah. 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 The guy's name is Gary Kendall. He's friends with Chris Cooper. Chris okay. Cooper and Gary Kendall. Okay. Some of these mapping for neighborhood lessons. Yeah. Great. All right. So. We build a prayer strategy, you know, and that's not a one and done. That's ongoing prayer. You've done some research to find out who's around you. So now what? And now uh, is time to begin engagement. John, you're gonna. So of course, you know, one of the things that we want to do is is get out there and uh, and take our folks with us. 
uh, and just begin prayer walking in an area, uh, maybe driving around and, and, and getting a, a feel for things, uh, uh, kind of seeing what we see in the neighborhood and, and even, uh, you know, just laying eyes on some of these, um, uh, spiritual strongholds, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, some of these places of worship, uh, uh, other kinds of uh, places that are in these in our areas, and so we want to get around and, and then begin uh, prayer walking. Um, and as we prayer walk, you know, the Lord many times is going to give us opportunities to talk to people, and uh, and we'll um, uh, we'll begin to. Um, sorry, I'm trying to pull up the. Just go ahead and put it up there. Um, <clears throat> So as we, you know, as we drive around and we encounter people and, and, and we begin to talk with them, um, you know, we, we, we look around at who we can talk to. Um, and that's where we go back to uh, what Russ was talking about, the people that we already know sometimes, uh, the restaurants that we frequent, uh, uh, shops that we go into. Um, and, and we begin to lead our people to intentionally go into places, uh, begin to, to shop and not just at Food Lion all the time, but, uh, at, at these other little markets, at these other little shops so we can start to get to know people in there. Uh, maybe some of the ladies in the church would go and get their eyebrows threaded, uh, just so that they can, uh, begin to engage some of those ladies who, who do that. Uh, or get their nails done and talk with that person who's who's doing their nails and and begin to ask them about themselves. Uh, um, sometimes uh, um, we we get to know people through uh, various kinds of interests uh, that we might have together. Or or if, especially if there's some kind of a festival uh, that's being held. A lot of cities have different sorts of festivals on, on special days and sometimes an international festival. Let's be part of that. Let's, let's go and engage people there. And, um, and, and sometimes it's even just going around in a neighborhood. Uh, many, I've met many refugees uh, and internationals just by being in a neighborhood and, and going door to door. And just, and, and it's, it's not surprising to, to me uh, but for many, many times, it is surprising how welcoming uh, folks are. Uh, you know, it, it, they just immediately welcome you in. You take off your shoes, you come in, and they drop everything and begin to make tea and uh, get some food together and everything and just serve you and love you and very open about themselves. And so I've met folks just by going door to door like that. And so what, what do we talk about when we start to talk with them? Um, we, uh, uh, we just remember these six F's. Uh, it just makes it so easy to, to talk with people. If we just start to asking them about their food, uh, about what kinds of things they do for fun, uh, tell us more about your family, your, your family back in your home country, and, and so forth. And we ask them about festivals, you know, uh, like, for example, uh, uh, what they do when a baby is born. Uh, you know, what's, what are some of your traditions, you know, when, when, when a baby is born? Or, or uh, how do you celebrate weddings in your, in your country? You know, and things like that. Uh, just uh, lots of ways that we can talk with them about that. Uh, yeah. The pastor at my church, this pastor, he taught us how to do a salt. What do you call the salt? 
And I thought it was really easy because I start a conversation and then ask questions uh-huh. and then listen to their stories and then tell them your story. Great. That's great. Uh huh. Yeah. Start conversations. Ask them questions. Listen. Listen to their story. Yeah. And then tell them about yourself. That's really good. Yeah. Actually, it's called the three-story method. Billy Graham talks about that engaging conversations. The three-story method. Okay. This is a takeaway. You listen to their story without interruption, without debate, without judgment. Right. Tell them your story, what God's done in your life, to tell them His story. So their story, your story, His story. Exactly. And really, yeah. that's right out of Acts 17. It's really yeah. Paul's doing it, wandering around talking to everybody. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Mind, yeah. Really yeah, that's right. Scenario. Yeah, good, good, good. And then in, in part of all that, you know, we can ask them about their future, you know. Uh, what what are they hoping for? What are they dreaming about? What are they, what are they, what are they hoping for their kids and and those kinds of things. And and then also that leads into talking about our, our future future, you know. And uh, we can, you know, as we get to know them and we uh, have conversations with them and they, they trust us more and more and uh, we begin to ask them about, uh, you know, what do they believe about salvation, about assurance of salvation, uh, which they don't have, you know. Uh, but what do they believe about the afterlife? And because then... It gives us a, a, a definite uh, opportunity to to share our faith, ask them about their faith, and share our faith. So you can, you can remember these. So uh, let's uh, talk to whom and talk about what, and now we'll uh, talk how. Uh, so how do you how do you talk to folks? And I think this is important. It's as important to know how to talk to them as what to talk about. Uh, so you want to be a humble listener and learner. Um, a lot of times we're guilty of listening with one ear while we're preparing our response with the other, you know, and, uh, and, and so, you know, we miss half of what they're saying. And so, you know, you really just want to take in, listen and learn from them. I think a lot of times, uh, we have the idea that we're just there to teach. We're there to impart what we know. We can really benefit a lot just from listening and learning from them. And so uh, be humble in that way. You're not there as the, the Christian answer man or woman. You know, you're there to just you know, be friendly and, and, and hear their story. Uh, gain a friend. You know, listen to gain a friend. I mean, you know, yes, we want to win a soul, but that could take years. But you could walk away from that first encounter with a new friend. And, uh, uh, you know, leave the door open, you know. That uh, if the conversation is not going the direction you want it to go, if the door's not opening to get to faith, you know, don't try to ram it open. Leave the door cracked so that you can go back and revisit that friend again later. Uh, because really, what are we? What are we trying to do? We're we're trying to get to the point of the gospel, and uh, sometimes that involves the long, uh, the long game, if you will. In Luke 10, Jesus sent uh, his followers out. And uh, if somebody, could somebody read uh, Luke 10, 5 and 6 for us? Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Okay, so that, that son of peace is your translation. Some, some of the translations say a person of peace or a man of peace. That's, that's what we're 
looking for. Uh, because that person of peace could be the beginning of a gospel movement among that people or that community. You know, and so a lot of times you're thinking, oh, how, it's so overwhelming. How are we going to reach all of these Hispanics or all of these Nigerians or all of these Cambodians or whatever? You're just looking for that one that's going to be the person of peace. And uh, they, they may or may not ever come to faith, but through their access to the community, multitudes of others may. And so you're looking for that person of peace. Uh, it's a person who is receptive. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they'll talk to you for an hour. And when you finish up, you know, your conversation, they say, I hope you'll come back and see me again. You know, or you say, can I come back and visit you? Oh, sure. Come anytime. You know, their, their door is open to you. Uh, they, they have a reputation. Now, uh, people know them and they know about people in the community. And their reputation may not always be good. It could be a person with a bad reputation. But people with bad reputations a lot of times have closer friends than people with good reputations. <laughs> you know? uh, because people with a good reputation intimidate others and they don't want to be around them. But, you know, this guy, uh, we, we can relate to him. He's got a bad reputation, you know. So it, the idea is they, they just, they're well known. Uh, maybe they're famous, maybe they're infamous, you know, but people know them. Um, and uh, they have referral. They, they can say, you know, as you're talking, you know, maybe they'll say, oh, let me introduce you to my friend so-and-so, or let's go, let's go meet our, my neighbor over here. We had this happen at a block party uh, with a church in Greensboro that we were helping out with, and, and uh, somebody went and knocked on a door, and they said, we're going to have this party out here, we're cooking out, you know, we want you to come out. And it was this uh, Pakistani guy, and he said, uh, oh, uh, can anybody come? We said, yeah, sure, anybody come. He said, great, I know who to bring. And so he took people from the church over and knocked on every door. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come you know, on. And he brought like 50 people out to this thing. You know, the church members are standing around twiddling their thumbs like nobody's going to show up. And this guy comes over the hill with the, half the neighborhood, uh, you know. <laughs> and so he's, he's got the connections to make the referrals uh, that, that we need to happen. So, so uh, we begin to engage people, then uh, God is giving us the relationships that we need to finally build some actual strategy around. And so I'm going to turn this over to John to talk about uh, strategy here. So, um, you know, we, have, we think, when we think about, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just go through this diagram real quickly. Uh, but when we think about this, it's both, uh, in my in my view, both um, personally something that leads us, but but especially uh, our churches and those that that we can influence. So I don't know if if, uh, if a lot of you are familiar with the four fields, but let me just read this this parable real quickly where, that we take this from. So, um, you know, Jesus is teaching about what the kingdom of God of God is like. And uh, in, in Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 26 to 29, he, he says, uh, He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So we use this illustration uh, to think about um, if, if, you're, if you're thinking like a missionary, 
Okay. And that's how we have to think more and more, uh, in where we are now. Okay. Because folks are not just getting up on Sunday morning and deciding to come to our church. So we got, we have to go after them more and more. And especially these changing neighborhoods with so many internationals in our neighborhood. How are we going to enter their lives? So what we do, um, you know, the farmer decides on what field he's going to go into, the field that he has, what he's going to plant, where where he's going to plant. Um, we decide that through prayer. We decided as we asked the Lord to show us. We decided as uh, we do research, and He helps us to see the field uh, where we need to enter. Right. So we spend a lot of time in prayer and and finding out. And in that prayer. We're also asking the Lord to remove rocks. You know, when we were up in North Pakistan, that's how we felt for a long time, was that we, we just got to pray that the Lord would take out the rocks so that we can sow some seed. Um, so as we pray and we're asking the Lord to, for receptivity in hearts, well, then we're going to go in and plant seed. That's what it says. The farmer goes in, he plants seed. Well, you know, you know if you know anything about farming... It's going to be abundant sowing, right? He's not going to plant just a few. He's going to sow abundantly, uh, expecting the Lord, expecting that a harvest is going to come. And then, then what does it say in here? Uh, a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. He can't do anything about that. He's just going to go to sleep. He can't do anything about the seed sprouting. He just planted it. It's the same way in, what, in, in, in our work, in kingdom work, right? We sow seed, and God causes the growth. Now, of course, once the seed starts to grow and everything, he, he can do some things here in terms of nourishing it, in terms of uh, taking out the weeds and so forth. Uh, and, and, then as it, and then as it really matures, then he's going to take a sickle to it and gather it, right? So when we, when we look at this, we're looking at entering a field um, through prayer, deciding where, to, where, where we're going to plant. We're looking at abundant seed sowing, evangelism, uh, discipleship of those first believers, right? And then gathering them into groups. Now, it may be that they end up coming into our church, um, and, and, and coming and being part of a service and we have, uh, you know, translation going on for them and, and all of that. That's great. Uh, maybe that we have, um, gatherings of people in homes, uh, where they're reaching their own, their own people. Uh, maybe some of those come and, and are part of a church, but they have a small group. They have a, an outreach group in their home. Uh, however, however the Lord leads us, we're gathering people. Um, and then, and then of course, a part of this too is leadership development. Okay, we're, we're going, we want to pour into those leaders, uh, because the, the farmer is going to save some of his best seed, uh, and he's going to send it out to the, to the field, uh, to the next field or to the next, the next time, the next year, right? And so, uh, so this, you know, these, Five parts of a church planting movement is what this is, you know, uh, entry, evangelism, discipleship, church, and leadership development. We're just going to do this over and over again. So that's, that's really what we want to think about when we're entering into these communities and these, the lives of these people. Uh, 
So, a lot of the times, uh, then what we, what we think through is, how can we enter into lives of people? Okay, so, um, we've, we've talked about that a little bit already, right? What, what are some other ideas that you have of how we could go into, how could we enter the lives of people that God has brought to our, our neighborhoods? Okay, yeah, so you can, you can meet people and you can invite them into your home, okay? Uh, Pastor Mark mentioned uh, having a daycare uh, in, in his church that actually has a whole bunch of South, uh, a whole bunch, a bunch of South Asians, a bunch of Indian, uh, Indian people who bring their kids there, right? Well, that's a great way to meet them. I mean, they're, they're dropping off the kids. You could even have uh, uh, some of the ladies in the church host a tea, for all those mamas when they drop off their kids, get to know one another, right? What, what are other ways that you, yeah? About 15 years ago, two young Sri Lankan uh, women, um, Sasi's Asian, and uh, we got to know them really well. We had them in our home. They spent weeks with us because their parents and everybody were so far away. And later on, years later, they told us, they told us that, that we were the first people in 15 years that they ever encountered that someone invited them to their home. Mm-hmm. They were students. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you guys are going to mention that, but a lot of yeah. these guys are university students. Sure. It just, I wanted to weep. Uh-huh. I grew up in a very hospitable North Carolina. We invite people home to our, and I know times have changed. We now have Burger Kings and <clears throat> everything else. But isn't that alarming that at yeah. Christmas time, right. students are sitting in the dorms because they have nowhere to go, and there are people from all over the world. I don't know what the statistics show in North Carolina, but just think about it. That's yeah. huge. Just a Thanksgiving meal, Christmas. Sharing what we believe and how we believe it. Mm-hmm. Why is it important? Such, yeah, yeah, so great easy. opportunity. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, I think we're fearful. Mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah. I've encountered that. I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, I'm afraid to let them in my house." Yeah, mm-hmm. they may be looking around to see what they can steal. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of churches get frustrated. Because they're really good at entry. Vacation Bible school, daycare, hospitality, block parties, door-to-door outreach. You know, they're really good at entry. And they, and, they, and, they, and they get frustrated because they do this great entry project and they say, well, nobody came into our church through that. Yeah. Um, you left out some important steps because you can't go from here to here unless you go this way. How can you do your entry project, whether it's a block party, door-to-door, VBS, or whatever, with an intentional view toward getting to this next step of abundant gospel sowing? Um, chances are you're not going to do abundant gospel sowing at your block party. I mean, if you can, great. You know, One good tip for that, by the way, is partner with another church 
and let the other church run the hot dog machine and the popcorn machine so that your church people can do the gospel sewing with the people that are coming into your block party. But, uh, you know, chances are, uh, and then you have to do the same for them. You know, it's not just a one-way thing. So chances are you're not doing a lot of gospel sewing in your entry methodology. But how can you go back on that later, take it to the next level, to, to then sow down that field with the gospel? Uh, entry could be one-time thing, but the gospel sowing is ongoing. And as you go through these two fields, you're going to be constantly doing this back and forth of research and engagement because you're going to try to make entry and it's not going to work. And you say, okay, where did we miss? Oh, we were serving pork chops in the Hindu, uh, in the in the Muslim community, you know? We had bacon cheeseburgers out there in that Hindu apartment complex. That's, that's where we messed up. You go back to the drawing board and you say, okay, let's research some more and engage again, you know? And, and, and so it's this back and forth, but always with a view toward how do we go, not from here to here, but from here to here. How do we go from doing the entry to build the connections and the relationships to abundant gospel sowing? Probably means we're going to have to train our people how to be comfortable sharing their faith. Uh, probably means we're going to have to give out our cell phone number to the people that we meet and say, hey, I'd love to take you to coffee sometime, you know, text me, call me, something like that. But what's going to get us from entry to gospel sowing? Now, when we get into fields three and four, we're talking about intentional, relational, contextual strategies for disciple making and group formation, church formation. It doesn't have to be a church plant. It could be a group within your church. Uh, It could be a group that meets in someone's home that someone from your church is going out to lead. But uh, here is where we would uh, welcome you to connect with us and and we will walk with you through these disciple making and group formation plans. Uh, You know, as you begin to make entry, build relationships, begin to sow seed, and you start seeing some 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 green stuff coming out of the ground, you know, uh, that's where we want to connect with you and say, okay, now how are you? What's your plan for discipling them and getting them gathered in with a group of believers? So uh, we have opportunities coming up. We hope, Lord willing, uh, to to put this into practice. So John has something already on the calendar because he is uh, more well-organized than I am. Uh, (laughs) October 1st, here in the Triangle, the place is to be determined. So if you're in the Triangle area, make sure you stay in touch with John about this. Uh, It's going to be morning through the afternoon, a a cultural immersion uh, experience where you're going to go out and, and engage people, interact with people, have gospel conversations with people from other cultures. Uh, visit some shops and restaurants and markets, maybe some temples or mosques or whatever. Um, and we're going to try to do the same thing in the triad. So, uh, but anyway, John and I are people just like you guys. And, uh, you know, we're looking to make entry into the lives of people around us too. Uh, so, you know, for John, he's a, he's a, some kind of weird tea drinker. <laughs> He drinks weird tea, and he and he likes a weird sport. Uh, <laughs> so you know that gives him access to people to talk with him. You know, for me, I don't look like it, but I'm a runner. God's given me opportunities to enter into and engage people through that. Uh, just you know, even in my community, uh, I've begun 
reaching out to a guy who's always out watering his lawn when I run by his house. And I've just started, you know, pausing my watch and hanging out and talking with him for a little while. Found out he used to be a member of a church. They had a thing go down. It was bad news with the pastor and he dropped out of church, you know. And so now I'm, I'm working on trying to build a relationship to disciple him back into the church and uh, where he can be a gospel catalyst in his own community, you know, because he lives in a pocket of lostness. So, uh, so you know, we're, we're doing this in our lives too. And so we're not, we're not telling you to do as we say, not as we do. We're, we're doing it, trying to make entry, trying to sow the gospel, trying to disciple people and gather them in uh, with God's people. Uh, one example of that is, I mean, like on Thursday, I'm taking a refugee friend of mine uh, to the bank because he's got some... Got some trouble with his credit card. <laughs> uh, so we're going to go sort that out. Uh, and then he's got a, a doctor appointment right after that. Um, and he's just a fellow that I met because uh, uh, he lives over in a community where um, there's a whole lot of refugees. And there are several churches uh, that are doing English in there. English is a second language and other kinds of uh, outreach like that. And so that's how I met this fellow. Uh, been through a whole lot. And and uh, he hasn't come to faith yet, uh, but I'm, I have an opportunity to share with him more and more, a uh, Muslim fella. Uh, we're passing out just a, a few resources for you there. Um, that, uh, and by the way, that, that immersion experience we're talking about, again, we're all about training and, and opportunities. And so uh, really, the, the reason we'd love for you to come and be part of that is so that you can experience it and turn around and do it uh, with other people. And so this, uh, this manual uh, on discovering peoples and, and all of that is super helpful for all of that. All the, the kinds of things that we talked about and much more uh, is in that manual. And, uh, but we would help you walk it out. Um, we'd love to, to, to just connect with you and, uh, and keep walking through this together. Um, and someday um, we're, we're going to want you to be sharing your experience with other churches and uh, uh, the things that you're learning, uh, taking that to other churches in your association, uh, encouraging them and and uh, walking alongside them. We'll send you this PowerPoint, uh, tweak that any way you want to, present it at your association or present it in, in your church, uh, and just mobilize others to, to really see that God has brought the nations to our neighborhood. Uh, and let's let's intentionally engage them with with love and with truth. Thank you guys. Bye. Yeah, thank you.